Just before we read scripture this morning, I want to encourage all of you to stop by the tables out in the lobby and sign up for one of the teams for Servant Sunday. We have uh, various opportunities of service available, and uh, it's really designed, even if you don't understand quite altogether how it all fits, it really is designed to make all the other things that have to take place so that we can do this comfortably every Lord's Day. It's really designed to make all that easy, easier than it is now. Uh, we have people, we need people for helping to set this room up and lots of things over in the other building. We have nursery, we have um, the Connect team back by the table in the lobby, we have uh, AV and music. Uh, so there are lots and lots of opportunities, and we are hoping to launch that program in February. We need people to be signed up by the end of this month. We'll have a couple of training Sundays in January the 18th and the 25th for all the team members, and then we hope to launch that the first Sunday in February. So please uh, stop by the tables on your way out. If you have questions, you can see Patrick Rowe, or you can talk to me or one of the other deacons, and we'll be happy to try and answer your questions. Uh, this will really streamline the process of the many, many things that take place in order for us to worship uh, decently and in order each Lord's Day. So please stop and sign up for those. Our scripture reading this morning comes from a very, very familiar passage, John chapter 3, verses 14 to 18. If you'd like to turn to that, John chapter 3, verses 14 to 18. If you have one of these Bibles off the table in the back, it's page 888. We're, we're jumping right into the middle of the conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus about how critical it is that he be born again. John chapter 3, verses 14 to 18. This is the word of God. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. May God bless the reading and now the preaching of his word. C.S. Lewis says that um, as he uh, looks to himself, this uh, brilliant man uh, who has so blessed the church of God, he says, uh, if, if I find in myself desire which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is is that I was made for another world. I'm telling you, if, if, if we can get to that place, very few people find it. There is so much distraction in this world. 
If we could ever come up with what C.S. Lewis and, and perhaps thousands, if not millions, finally did discover, there is not enough satisfaction in this world. The accumulation of possessions, the achievement of power, the enjoyment of pleasure will not be enough. You will long for something more when you're quiet, when you're, uh, when you're by yourself, when you're on your bed at night. You may ask yourself, isn't there something more? I have so much, but I, I'm not settled here. So you keep searching and you keep hoping for a new level of satisfaction among all the the distractions and offers of this world. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says so simply, God has put eternity in your heart. You know that when you die, it's not over. You know that there's something more. You know that there is a life to come. I don't care if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. Eternity is in your heart. You know that, that, that you have some kind of immortality. You want to live here. You want to stay here. You want to be happy here, but you know you can't. You know the certain thing is that one day you will die and you will enter into uh, this other world. Well, in this close to Christmas message, we find ourselves with another gift. We have another package uh, to open, and it's called eternal life. That's what's in the box. It's every man's hope, every man's desire. It is lasting satisfaction. It is rock-solid security. That is what is in the box. Uh, Pastor Mark, last week, um, he gave us what I think was a splendid sermon. What was in his package, he said, uh, was the most important paragraph in the Bible. Uh, Romans 3 and verses 21 uh, through 26. It was all about a new record, a righteousness Uh, The great joy and pleasure of being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Having that. Well, this week, uh, we have uh, the most important subject of the Bible. The most important theme of the Bible. And by far, the most popular scripture of the Bible. John chapter 3. And verse 16. And I hope that we'll find great benefit in uh, looking at this passage uh, and seeing it uh, in a glorious and wonderful way as such it is. Uh, Brother Tim uh, read the sandwich. Uh, uh, There's an upper layer and there's a lower layer Around 16, it's uh, the upper layer is, is is verses 14 and 15, and 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 the lower layer of of wholesome, organic, um, uh, multi-grain bread is 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 verses 17 and 18. Well, here's our outline. Then 
we have a four-point outline for unwrapping or unpackaging uh, this gift. And number one, it originates uh, somewhere. There's a place uh, from which it comes. Number two, it is centered on something, on someone. Number three, there is a plainly, there is a way to receive it. And number four, there is an end result. There is a conclusion uh, to the whole matter. If you want to summarize, if you want to summarize it uh, like this, and I'll try to point to this, there is a what, there is a who, there is a how, and there is a why. Well, let's look then um, in the first place at the what, the origin, the fountain, the foundation of eternal life for God so loved the world that he gave his only son this is the this is the what what is the what of this passage it is the love of the father this is the deep and underlying fountain of of all the goodness All the joy, all the happiness, all the pleasure that is brought by eternal life. It flows out of the Father's love. For God so loved the world. That's where it comes from. It comes from him. It originates in him. What is it? It is the love of God. That's what's being displayed in the giving of his son. That's the underlying cause. He has a love as incredible and as awesome and as unpredictable and as unexpected as it should be. God loves a sinful world, a world of rebellion and impurity and defilement and decadence and darkness and it is degraded it is destructive it is decaying it is diseased it in in, in every way it is full of god haters christ rejectors lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of god it's full of lawbreakers lovers of themselves repeat offenders professional criminals That's what the world is full of. That's the world that God has set his heart upon. That's the world that he has decided that he would love. He decided from all eternity that he would love a fallen world. Praise God. The world could be looking, it could look like this. The repeat offenders, those that keep returning to sin, according to 2 Peter 2 And verse 22, grotesque. They're like a pack of dogs vomiting. Imagine that in your mind. Imagine a whole world full of dogs throwing up and then eating their vomit. That's what it says, like a dog eating vomit. Or it's like... It's like a herd. It's like a herd of swine, of pigs, of sows, wallowing in the mire, in the muck, in the slop, 
in the slime mixed with their own excrement. If you were drive by a typical pig farm, I know they're not all like this, okay? We live in the United States. We've got some concrete and we've got hoses and stuff. This is how it usually is. It reeks, stinks, smells awful. This is the world. This is the world that, 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 that a God loves. Nothing to attract him. Nothing to allure him. Nothing to turn his head. Nothing to delight in. Nothing at all. Nothing to take interest in. But there was this, the what. There was the love that was in the heart of God. He could not have been obligated. He could not be indebted to anyone. Does he have to do anything? Does he got to do this? Does he have to show mercy? Does he have to show love? He doesn't have to do any of that. But he chooses to do it. There's no way. He knowing all the thoughts and intentions and motives and plans purposes of every heart without regard to race, nationality, appearance, historical setting, none of those things. He said to Abraham at the very beginning, loving heart of God. This is what he said. He told ancient Abraham in Genesis 12, 3, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's the loving God. When he revealed himself uh, to Moses, caused his goodness to pass before him. He said, the Lord, the Lord God is a God full of compassion, having mercy for thousands. That's our God. It's worldwide. It's panoramic. It's global. It's multi-generational. And it's being Emphasize then, as, as we transition into our second point, what is the manner of his love? For God so loved the world, that word so is, 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 is a little bit ambiguous. What it could read is that in this way, what it should read is in this way, in this manner, this is how he loved the world. This, is, this speaks to the greatness of his love. This speaks to the intensity of his love. He gave, verse 16b says he gave. If you look at the bottom later of the sandwich, verse 17 says he sent. He gave and he sent. What is the result of the what? The love of God. What does it do? What comes out of the love of God? It is the giving of his son. It is the sending of his son. Is there anybody here? Is there one father here? Can I find a father here who will give his son for anybody? Will you give your son for a hundred good men? For a thousand beautiful girls, would you give your son, would you give either one of your sons? Is there anybody here who will give their son for good people, 
for nice people, for poor people, for helpless people, for desperate people. Is there anybody here who will do that? I wouldn't do it either. But you see what God did, he gave his son for his enemies. He gave his son for those who hate him, who rebelled against him, who would run from him, who sin against him repeatedly. That's who he gave his son for. That's the intensity. That's the greatness of it. He, he, he gave the eternal son of God. The son that he loves with an infinite love, an eternal love. A powerful, invincible love. That's the son that he gave. While none of us would venture to send off any of our sons to die for anyone. Behold... Behold the love of God. Behold. And, And when he did that, when he planned to do that, when he sent his son, when he gave his son, he contemplated the entire vista, the entire panoramic view of all that his son would have to do. This... um, this mysterious union, this, uh, the Holy Spirit had to come and the power of the Most High had to overshadow a chosen virgin, a young virgin. And somehow this mystery, we, we, we cannot explain it. We just believe it with all of our hearts. Nobody can take it away from us. Holy Spirit overshadowed her. And in her womb, there was... There was a zygote, a divine union of a cell that was produced by the Holy Spirit, joined to her cell, her egg. The DNA, the physical DNA of Jesus Christ is Mary. It came from his mom. The personality of Jesus Christ. It's nothing more, nothing less than the personality of God. The exact representation of his image. Exactly what God is like is what baby Jesus was becoming. And his obedience would be unique. God's only unique son. The one and only Jesus Christ According to Ralph Erkshine, he says our obedience is the obedience of a man. But Christ's obedience is the obedience of God. Awesome thought, isn't it? God, obeying God. That's, that's the obedience. He would need, <laughs> just, he would need to nurse at his mother's breast. He would need to learn how, this is God. God would have to learn how to walk. She'd hold his hands. Joseph would hold them, and, and he would wobble around like any toddler. This is God, God in the flesh. He would be spoon-fed. He would enter into puberty and adolescence, all this secretly, 
We don't know anything about him uh, past age 12 up to age 30. He would be an adult man. He'd be a miracle worker. He would speak as no man ever spoke. He would be a miracle worker. He would also be despised. He would be maligned. He would be rejected. He'd be misrepresented. Attempts would be made against his life. He would have nowhere to lay his head. The foxes would, and the birds of the air would have a nest. He wouldn't have such a thing. He would receive very little praise, almost never be thanked. And according to his own words in the top part of this sandwich, in verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. It was of necessity. There was no other way for us to ever get eternal life from this central person through Jesus Christ unless he went to the cross. And the Reformed theological community wants all of us to know, like Andreas uh, Kostenberger or Kostenberger or Kostenbuger, however you want to say his name, they stress the double meaning of being lifted up. He says it means being lifted up on a cross in a, in a literal sense as well as being exalted and honored in a figurative sense. So when you look at the cross and, and you see your savior, your savior despised and gory, bloody, beyond human recognition... When you see him so degraded, so despised, so shamed and tortured and exposed and abandoned. When you see the greatest crime of civilization, the greatest injustice that has ever taken place on this planet and could ever be in this universe. You see him cursed of God and cursed of man. You you see this darkness. You see how terrible that was. Look at the same time. At the same time, what you see is the place of victory. You see the place of the institution and the opening up of the new covenant. You see, he said, if I be lifted up to those inquiring Greeks in John chapter 12 and verse 32, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. You see the... The missionary charge at the cross. You see it that this gospel, this good news is going to be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to the nations. Then the end will come. That's all from the cross. There's glory in the cross. One writer said, it's the ladder. It's the ladder to the resurrection. It's the top rung. To the throne of God. That's where he is. And from that throne, as Pastor Ted taught us, that's where faith and repentance come from. He grants it. He gives it. If you don't have it, go to him and get it. He'll give it to you. 
If you call upon his name and ask for those things, you can receive that gift and you can be a believer and your life can change. You can do that. Notice that it, it is um, it is a present reality. The eternal life that comes from Jesus Christ is not something that we're waiting for. It's not something that we get when we die. We do get it. We get a change. But it is something that, that we have right now. Jesus said, listen to him. John five twenty four. truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me, has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. You have it right now. If you are a Christian, you already have eternal life. The world which is, 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 is to come has already intervened. It, is impe- it, 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 it has interrupted. It, 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 it has imposed itself in the world that now is. And eternal life is in you. John says in chapter 1 and verse 12, he says, But all, but to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, gave the right to become the children of God. You are a child of God if you are a believer in Jesus. All this um, uh, legitimate uh, fascination and and attachment and care and broken hearts. For Sean Golly, you saw that picture just for a second of of all the equipment and and a room full of equipment. And he saw he's got a He's, he's got a neck brace and he's got a, he's got a medically, he's in a medically induced coma. His, his brain is swollen. We're praying, we're praying with all our hearts. We want his lung to be repaired. We want his femurs uh, to be able to be set right. We want, we want all of this. I say this with all the tenderness and compassion that I have got. Sean Golly is entirely safe. He is secure. If God should take him, all he does is gain. We feel like he'll gain more, if it'd be more glorious if we get to keep him because he's going to gain that anyway. That's our plea. But if you're outside of Christ, if you're not a believer in Jesus, if you've not embraced him as your savior, if you've not received this gift of Jesus, I say it with with compassion, with love, with humility. You are you are in a worse condition than Sean Golly. And if, 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 if we were your parent or any parent that has a child outside of Christ and if he was in the place of Sean Golly right now, we, 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 
just be wrecked. But the Gaulies have that peace and they have that confidence. And that's why Pastor Jonathan can pray and say that he knows they have that willingness to relinquish their son. They do. Uh, Pastor Ted has heard them pray that. But right now, you're in a condition worse, worse than Sean Golly. You're dead in trespasses and sins. You're under the just wrath of God. You're, you're in need of a Savior. It's the only Savior there is. You've, you've, got, you've got to close with Christ. Your life is in a more dangerous, more life-threatening circumstance than our beloved, beautiful, wonderful brother, whose name is Sean Gawley. Well, we've seen, oh, all right, we've seen the what. It is the love of the Father. We've seen the who. And it's Jesus Christ. He's, he, he's the center. Now let's go for the how. How is eternal life obtained? How do you get it? What must be done? Verse 16c says, for God, A says, for God so loved the world. B says that he gave his only begotten son. C says, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Glance at Jesus' words in the upper piece of this wholesome whole grain bread in verses 14 and 15, which Tim read for us. And as Moses, as he speaks to Nicodemus, no uncertain terms couldn't be plainer than this. Listen, listen to Jesus as Moses Lifted up the serpent in, in, in the wilderness. So must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. You read this story in Numbers chapter 21 and you see how short it is. You'll see that uh, uh, the people were complaining. They were grumbling against God. God wanted to get their attention. He sent snakes poisonous snakes and they're biting the people and 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 they're going to die from the the poisonous in, infection that comes he tells moses put, put put a serpent a snake a brass one on on a staff on a, and, and and hold it up and tell the people all they got to do all they got to do to be healed it's all they got to do just look just look. Doesn't matter how many bites you have. It doesn't matter how far gone you are. Just look. Just look. I'm telling you, if I was living back then and I had kids like the Deckmans, I'd grab Jonathan and I'd look at him and say, Look, son, look. Look and be healed. Doesn't matter how old you are. Don't even, you don't have to touch the serpent. You don't have to crawl to it. Just look. All you got to do is look. You don't have to have really good vision. You all are really blurry now. But I can see that exit sign over there. Just look. Just look. And it didn't even matter whether you were a Gentile or a Jew. This was a mixed multitude. There was an infiltration of, of Egyptians and others that also left. It was only a look. Is there any merit 
in a look. You, do, do you deserve, you got something coming be, be, because you looked? Jesus says in, in uh, chapters, in, in, in John's Gospel, uh, uh, chapter 6 and verses 53 through 55, he says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, listen to Jesus. Shocking. But we know what he means. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh, drinks my blood, has eternal life. That present reality. I will raise him up on the last day. Whoever is so intimate with me, eats my flesh and drinks my... Is there any merit? Is there any merit in eating? Drinking? Does that earn you something? As many as received him, as many as received him, as, that's, that, that is all it is. It is, it is looking, it is receiving, it's eating, it's drinking, it's believing. The only thing that stands be- between you and eternal life right now, if you don't have it, is a look. It's receiving. It's eating. It's drinking. That's all it is. That's the how. That's how you get it. You don't earn it. You can't merit it. No one's indebted to you to pay you for it. Just look. Look and live. Eat and drink and have eternal life. Receive Jesus. Believe upon him now. It's the only thing. The only thing for anyone who hears the gospel. The only thing that excludes you. The only thing that counts you out is you. It's you. You just have to believe. You just have to look. You just have to receive. That's, it's you. It's nothing else but you. It's your responsibility. It's your duty. Right now, right now it could be that you're here because your parents brought you. Right now you're here because it's Christmas time. You didn't really come in here. You just wanted to come in here and do the right thing. Right now, maybe God is doing something in your heart. Maybe there's a movement. Maybe something has touched you right now. Act upon that. Act upon whatever, however small it is, whatever tiny little ripple that's there. Say, oh, Jesus, I want you. I want to believe. I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to turn from my sins. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I'm going to keep right on looking at Jesus. That's, that's, that's what we want. That's all it is. That's the how. Well, Psalm 34, 8. I love this, and and I'm going to connect it to Sean. Oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Uh, Maybe all of you have had this experience. 
it's happened to you or you've, you, you've been the occasion of having it happen to somebody else. You want your child or you were the child. You probably, you probably can't remember this. I don't remember ever refusing anything. But, but on the spoon is chocolate pudding or on the spoon is banana pudding. It's really going to be good. And you, and you just want to wanna get it in there. And that kid, you know, he just, just won't take it. You, and you just want to, you say, son, it's good. This is really good. You're going to like it. <laughs> but you finally get it in. You finally get it in. He opens his mouth. He pry his teeth open. And he goes, mmm, that is so good. And he smiles and he wants more. He wants some more. And you're so happy. Just You're going, you know how they do this? They go, I've seen that. Everybody does that. I was so moved by the things that I saw on, on Facebook. Our sister Pamela Terry wrote something, and, and so did Linda O'Leary, that just really, just, just really, just floored me. They talked about Sean Gawley's, Sean Gawley's smile. Well, somebody said he smiles, he smiles so big his, his eyes disappear. Why does he do that? Why is he like that? He has tasted, he has seen, the Lord is good. <laughs> and the smile, the smile of Sean Golly is, is what attracts us sinners to Christ, to our church. You, you can get saved somewhere else. The message is not the only place. But, but, but his testimony. I heard that he passed out flowers. Uh, maybe they were roses at uh, Salsarita to every, every female in, in the place and gave them the smile. Happy Valentine's Day. This looks so much like the grace of God, doesn't it? They're not all Christians, just worldly people wanting to get some, wanting, wanting, wanting to earn some money, a tip, whatever. Roses and flowers. That's, 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 that's the bottom line. That's what... God is good, tastes good, make you smile, make you glad for the rest of your life. In spite of all the trials and troubles, you will have a joy that nobody can take away from you. It'll abide, no matter how dark it gets, there'll be a deep-seated joy and gladness in the love and goodness of God. Well, we saw the what, uh, that's love. We saw the who, that's Jesus. We saw the how, just believe, receive, look, eat, drink. What is the why? What is the final purpose? Why did God the Father do all this? Why did the love of God cause his son to be sent? Why did he do this? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his own, one and only unique, wonderful, other category son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
Make no mistake about it. Whatever you think about God, whatever you think about what God is doing in this world, make no mistake about it in unmixed terms, unambiguous terms. God sent his son so that people would not perish, but so they would have eternal life. That's the purpose. That's the why. That's the what for. What is it all about? It is about saving sinners from perishing and giving them everlasting life. That's what the text says. Look at the bottom piece of bread. Lovely bread. God did not send his son into the world, verse 17, to condemn the world. We know that condemnation comes because people reject his son, but that's not why God sent him. He didn't send him so people would reject him and be condemned. Read it. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. In order that the world would be saved through him. Well, dear people, whoever's listening, wherever you are, the gift of eternal life is yours just for the opening. You can have it. It's offered to you. It's the purpose of the Father that you should not perish, but you should have everlasting life. I'll, I'll uh, close with uh, C.S. Lewis. It's okay to do that twice. Here's, here's, here's the other half of what I want. He's just wonderful. Christ offers something for nothing. He even offers everything for nothing. In a sense, whole Christian life consists in accepting that very remarkable offer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love in sending your Son and all that he went through as a substitute for sinners, and all that he put into motion, all according to your intention and your purpose, that sinners should not perish, but have eternal life. We thank you for this, this, this beautiful plan that is being realized and may be enjoyed by anyone who has heard the gospel. God, will you give the grace Give the understanding. Awaken the dead. Don't let anybody leave here without closing with Christ, either now or very shortly after. You are the Lord. Come. Come. And we pray one more time together as a gathered body that you'll raise up the one whom you love who is sick. His name is John Golly. Please, please. Show us your great restorative power and let him live to proclaim your grace. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.